It's an ancient tale of murder, revenge, loyalty, and love, all in one family, told through a tumultuous score. On today's episode of the Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast, Electra. The Metropolitan Opera Guild is dedicated to enriching people's lives through an awareness and deeper appreciation of opera. Our podcast features lectures and events presented by the Guild in support of performances at the Metropolitan Opera. The Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast is funded in part by support from the Stuart J. Pierce Memorial Fund. To learn more, visit metguild.org. Richard Strauss's Elektra is still startling, a brief, one-act opera that unites an intense Greek tragedy with unbridled vocal and orchestral power. This Saturday, March 17th, radio audiences worldwide will have the chance to experience this shattering work with Christine Gerke as Elektra and the Met's future music director, Yannick Nézet-Séguin, leading the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra. I'm Stuart Holt, and to prepare, today we hear Guild lecturer Victoria Bond explore a score some critics have said shows off Strauss's genius at its most extreme. I think it is worth taking a moment to refresh our memory of the story of Electra and the Greek myth on which it is based. She is the daughter of Agamemnon, king of Mycenae, and his wife Clytemnestra, and she has two sisters, Iphigenia and Chrysothemis, and a brother, Orestes. Her father, Agamemnon, is the leader of the Greeks in the Trojan War. While Agamemnon is away, Clytemnestra takes a lover, Aegisthus, and together they murder Agamemnon when he returns home. Electra, consumed with grief, rage, and a thirst for revenge, waits for her brother, Orestes, to avenge their father's murder. She and her sister, Chrysothemis, live in the palace, but Electra is an outcast and treated like a mad dog. Chrysothemis longs for a family and children and cannot understand Electra's obsessive lust for revenge. Electra is unsympathetic and puts all her hopes upon Orestes' return. When she hears that Orestes has been killed, she is distraught. However, he is not dead and returns to the palace. Electra does not recognize him, nor does he recognize her when they first meet. When they do finally discover their true identities, Electra is overcome with emotion. Orestes commits the murders, and Electra dances herself into a frenzy, after which she falls dead. Richard Strauss attended a performance of Hugo von Hofmannsthal's play Electra and was struck by its similarity to Oscar Wilde's Zalome, which Strauss had set as an opera in 1905. Although ideally he had wanted to follow Zalome with a lighter subject, he felt Electra to be a work of genius and shortly after the completion of Zalome began the collaboration with Hofmannsthal. Hofmannsthal transformed the Greek myth into a psychological drama that focuses on the tortured minds of Electra, Chrysothemis, and Clytemnestra. Electra is driven mad by revenge, Chrysothemis by desire, and Clytemnestra by guilt and fear. The music is chromatic, 
contrapuntal, and dense. It is the most experimental opera that Strauss wrote and is as tightly organized as a symphony. There are leitmotifs for each character and within each character for the many conflicting emotions and states of mind. The opera begins years after the murder of Agamemnon. Clytemnestra and her lover Aegisthus live in the palace, and Electra and her sister Chrysothemis are held like prisoners, unable to leave or marry. Chrysothemis is on good terms with her mother, but Electra is an outcast, dressed in rags and not admitted into the palace. The opera takes place in the courtyard outside the palace. Five maids discuss Electra and compare her to a wild animal, howling and clawing at them. Electra appears and recounts the brutal murder of her father, Agamemnon. She relives the gory details of his death and cries out for him. Her tone softens as she recalls their love and tenderness. In this excerpt that I'm going to play, you can hear how Strauss has set the name Agamemnon so clearly with the rhythm of the words, Agamemnon, Agamemnon. And that becomes an important leitmotif for the entire opera. intensifies to this, where she really cries out.
So you see how Strauss, brilliant composer that he was, able to um, describe each of the emotions. First, just the pitiful cry of Agamemnon, and then growing, growing, growing in intensity until it becomes this scream. And then that dying or melting away into this sense of tenderness for his child. Well, uh, when she thinks about Orestes coming, uh, to the palace, she goes into this really dance of uh, triumph, which will become the final dance at the end of the opera. But we hear a foretaste of it here, like this. scene and I want you to keep that rhythm in mind because we'll talk about that after we take a look at this scene. musical quiz now. Uh, Strauss was a very original composer, but he did come from a long line of well-known composers, and I wonder if you recognize this. Beethoven's 
Seventh Symphony, yeah, the, the, and you recognize the yum ba dum bum ba dum bum and how about this? Ride of the Valkyries, and you hear that same, that same rhythm, that rhythm of the dance that uh, Beethoven, of course, used in the Seventh Symphony, Wagner used in the Ride of the Valkyries, and became kind of a signature for the dance, the ultimate dance. Then we meet the character of Chrysostomus, the sister, the sister who is accepted into the palace, the sister whose greatest desire is to marry and have children. And uh, her themes are much more tonal, much less strident than uh, Electra. So um, we hear her first saying, I can't stay here. This, this place is, um, is dismal, is, is too dismal and dark for me. how her music is much more melodic and something that, of course, Strauss was going to exploit to the hilt in Rosenkavalier, which is the opera that comes after this. So um, you do hear echoes of Agamemnon in this. Chrysostomus says their father is dead and that their brother will never return. The two sisters are like captive birds in a cage, turning their head this way and that, and no one comes.
Now, this was Strauss's most experimental opera. Zalame was heading in this direction, but Electra goes that many steps further. As you can hear, this music is very chromatic and in some instances very dissonant, not so much uh, in Chrysostomus's music, but as you will hear later on in Clytemnestra's music, extremely dissonant. So let's have a look at this uh, clip. Chrysostomus says she is a woman with a woman's desires. The music pleads over and over again, growing more and more desperate. Repetition um, over and over. He really emphasizes that growing desperation that uh, Chrysostomus feels. So let's have a look at that. Clytemnestra enters, followed by her retinue. She has been plagued by nightmares and has made sacrifices to appease the gods, but nothing has worked. Her music is ghostly, punctuated by the sound of her heartbeat and an obsessive chord which sounds like this.
the chords, if you hear them separately, um, are not that dissonant, but the way they are um, superimposed and merged on each other, it gives this sense of really ghostliness and being unhinged and unmoored, which is what Clytemnestra is. So let's have a look at that uh, clip. Expressionist quality to this music. It's not that big a jump from there to Wozzeck and to Schoenberg. Um, I'm sure you'd like to know who the singers are on this DVD, which uh, comes from the Vienna Opera. And uh, the Eva Martin is Elektra, Brigitte Fassbender is Clytemnestra, and Cheryl Studer is Chrysostomus. We'll hear um, uh, later on uh, Franz Grundheber as Orestes and James King as Aegisthus. And it's Vienna State Opera conducted by Claudio Abbado, and it's the Harry Kupfer uh, production. Well, what happens next is Electra engages her mother in conversation. They, the two of them have been very apart, and Clytemnestra is terrified of Electra, and Electra is, as I said, full of rage towards her mother. But Clytemnestra comes into the courtyard, and by the way, the whole opera takes place in one place, in the courtyard. And as you probably know, it's just one act. There's no intermission. So um, Clytemnestra comes into the courtyard, and Electra draws her out by flattering her in a kind of a sarcastic way. But I think Clytemnestra is clueless as to the sarcasm, um, because she says, oh, you're like a goddess. And so Clytemnestra starts to soften and unburdens her soul to Electra. She says, I'm having these terrible nightmares, and I sacrifice animal after animal and to appease the gods, and nothing works. And Electra says, I know it will work. And so she teases Clytemnestra and, and 
Clytemnestra says, well, what kind of animal? What, what do you recommend? Is it this animal? Is it that animal? No, it's not an animal. Well, is it this person? Is it that person? Do I have to sacrifice one of my mates? Clytemnestra is willing to sacrifice absolutely anybody. Um, and Electra says, no, it's not one of the maids. And finally, she says, there's only one victim that will appease the gods and get rid of your nightmares, and it's you. <laughs> and the person that is going to do the sacrificing is Orestes. Now, Clytemnestra had had Orestes sent away. There are differing versions in Sophocles, Aeschylus, and, and Euripides um, as to what happened to Orestes, but they all do agree that he was sent away as a young boy. Some say that Electra made sure that he was sent away so that he would be out of harm's way, um, and there are other versions uh, that say otherwise. But the fact of the matter remains, and Hoffmannsthal um, agrees with this, uh, his uh, libretto agrees with this, that Orestes is away. And um, so, Clytemnestra says, well, there's no fear of that because I have guards guarding here all the time. And later on, Electra learns from Chrysothemus that Orestes has been killed and is absolutely devastated. This is her last hope for avenging the murder of her father. And so she grabs a hold of Chrysothemus and says, if Orestes is no, not coming back because he's dead, you and I have to do the murder. And she tries to, in a way, force um, Chrysothemus to agree to do the murder with her. And Chrysothemus says, no, no, this is, I, ha I don't want any part of that. And she escapes. And so now Electra is left completely alone, planning to do the murder herself. And a stranger comes into the palace. And uh, we know who the stranger is, because I'm going to play his music for you in a second. <laughs> and there's no doubt in the audience's mind who this noble person is. But Electra doesn't recognize him, and he doesn't recognize Electra. So it takes another, another few pages of music <laughs> for them to realize who each other is. Um, so let me play you um, uh, Orestes' music, because this is the first time that we have heard Orestes. We've had each of the characters in turn. We first met Electra. We met Chrysostomus, we met Clytemnestra, and now we meet the fourth of the, of the quartet. And Orestes' music is unlike um, any of the others because it is these very quiet chords.
When Orestes and Electra do finally recognize each other, the music becomes lyrical, romantic, and deeply tender, characterizing their love for one another. Orestes carries out the murders, and the opera ends with a wild dance of Bacchanalian abandon. Listen to how Strauss 
makes the chord first major and then minor in this dance. So first we have the major chord and then the minor superimposed on top of it. the dance gone wild and of course we won't see the whole dance here I think I think we have time to see a couple of minutes of it but um, she basically dances herself into a frenzy and falls dead on the stage so a very dramatic ending So you'll, you'll see all of it tonight, and of course, I'm sure you will enjoy it, and it has been a pleasure speaking with all of you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. That was Victoria Bond talking about Strauss's Elektra. To keep up to date on all Met Opera Guild lectures and events, visit metguild.org and sign up for our bi-weekly newsletter. You'll get special announcements, information about new podcast episodes, and the inside scoop on all our latest pre-performance lectures, masterclasses, and singer interviews happening here at Lincoln Center. I'm Stuart Holt. Thank you for listening.